this is Katrina. Hey, this is Sydney. And this is Chloe. And this is Murder Obsessed. So um, we rehearsed that and I said the order and then I pressed record and I was like, why is no one talking? Oh, wait, it's my turn. <laughs> I was looking at you like, um. We have to I was, rehearse it, guys, because we literally will all say something at the same time or no one will say anything. Or we'll just stare at each other smiling. <laughs> I was distracted watching Sydney, what she was doing. <laughs> okay, okay. So it's my turn this week. And this week we are going to be talking about the rainbow murder. So I'm super interested in this. Yeah, it, it was actually it's really cool. And um, we did a Secret Santa with the um, the English team at school. And my Secret Santa brought me this book, and it's called The Third Rainbow Girl. And it has a really cool. Um, the author like tells her story. Like the author tells a lot about West Virginia. And like anyone who's not a West Virginian should read this. And anyone who is a West Virginian will read this and they'll be like, oh my God, this is exactly what everyone needs to know about West Virginia. Um, because we're, we're a very unique state. You know, we were, we were born out of the Civil War. We're not really Northern. We're not really Southern. Like, we just kind of have our own heritage, our own culture. Um, things are just different in West Virginia than the rest of the United States. And um, it can be good and it can be bad, but the book does a really good job of just kind of like laying that out there of like, this is what you need to understand because West Virginia is unique. We've got, a, you know, um, but anyway, um, the book talked about the rainbow murders. And I remember hearing about this when um, I was in school and, and growing up, um, but I never really knew exactly about it. So let's start talking about Vicki Duran. She was born in 1953 to farmers. 80 acres of corn, beans, and hogs for $125 a head and timber in the summer. Eight kids and Vicki was the second oldest girl. For a long time, Vicki was a good girl. She um, was a good citizen. She had a horse. She had dogs and cats and she just loved animals. She loved school. She liked the dark and was fascinated with vampires and a show called Dark Shadows. I mean, it might be presumptuous to say, but what girl hasn't went through a vampire stage? You know? Girl. I mean, like, come on, Buffy, Angel, Riley, like. I'm, I'm 31 and I've went through like 14 vampire yeah, phases. Yeah, seriously. Like, I was laying in bed the other night. I was an I adult. I was thinking about how the one time I got kicked off the bus, the only thing that I got as punishment was I wasn't allowed to watch Buffy. And it destroyed oh, me. I was like, please just whip me. Please just okay. whip me. Because I can't live without Buffy. I was an adult when the Vampire Diaries um, first oh, came on. Yes. I mean, like, I wasn't a full-grown adult, but probably, you know, like, I was early 20s. Yeah, <laughs> I said that as full-grown adult, but, you know, I wasn't, like, where I am now in life. Yeah, And yeah. I was deeply engrossed in the lives of these fake teens and fake oh, yeah. vampire teens well and and then it like blossomed from vampire diaries to the originals you know and klaus and elijah like like come on what dog like, is named klaus yeah i mean yeah and i see klaus. chloe and i know that she's got an edward collin poster somewhere in that room <laughs> i do 
Twilight is the best. <laughs> so yeah, so like I said, most girls go through a vampire phase. Some of us never leave it. It is what it is. But anyway, I watched Twilight as a comfort show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As she at fifteen, she watched hippies gather for Woodstock, and the picture stuck. She wanted to go, but she was too young. Vicky became pregnant and decided to go to her cousins in Colorado. And um, she graduated from high school and was five months pregnant. She gave the baby up for adoption. And when asked if she cried for her baby, she says, I cry for him every day. Back in Iowa, Vicki worked at a nursing home. She cut her hair and stopped wearing makeup and started wearing flowy dresses and baggy pants. She became a vegetarian and started making her own granola and started using chopsticks instead of a knife and fork. And refused to help people um, help prepare meat for dinner. See, my girl had me till you went on the veggie kick. Like, vegetarians, I flipping applaud you. You have so much control. You are awesome. But, nay, nay. Flowy dresses, flowy pants, short hair, whatever. I got you, girl. I'm there. But no meat. I have a problem with bacon. Yeah, no, I literally said today, I was talking to someone today and I was like, <laughs> straight up kudos if you're a vegetarian. Like, I applaud you, awesome for you, but I love meat. I love meat. It, it I is what it like is. A month. Yeah, no, I've never in my almost 30 years ever was like, let's give up meat. Yeah, I lasted for maybe a month, maybe. Yeah, yeah you were young. Time. You were young when you, when you went through that. We, I mean- maybe early high school probably like 17 yeah yeah this is about 16, I was. 17. Yeah. yeah so you you both went through that phase and I was I was the one that was like I'm really excited for you but I'm gonna go order a hamburger I just like I I don't know I'm just, I just don't think I could survive honestly because I don't eat anything yeah, see, that's your problem. Like, you you would die from lack of iron because... I already am, like, low iron. Yeah. Not even meeting the right point. I just like food, and meat is... Yeah. So, anyway, okay. So, yeah, seriously, though, I mean, awesome for her. It's just not my lifestyle. But she moved to Iowa City for a while, living in a big communal house near what is today the Prairie Lights Bookstore. She tried Davenport so she could go to the to nursing school, but she wanted to go. She wanted to go to California. She wanted ocean, but she had no money. So she started hitchhiking. Nancy Centimero had never hitchhiked outside of Long Island before. Her father, Joe, had traveled through the West when he was in his teens, but he had come back. He had met Nancy's mother, Janine, and independent, an independent woman with a good job as a bank secretary playing tennis. Joe got a job as a wise potato salesman, wise potato chip salesman, and it kept him mostly on the road, driving his truck all over Long Island with Janine home to raise the kids, five of them born in quick succession, almost one every year. Despite Joe wanting a boy, but they were all girls. Nancy was the last one. In August of 1969, when Nancy was in fourth grade, her family moved into a two-story house on a quiet cul-de-sac in the new development of Huntington. The theme of Nancy's childhood was variety, 
shifting, trying on many different outfits to see if they fit. She wasn't concerned with her clothing, clothing favoring jeans and peasant t-shirts, whatever that is. She was friends with everyone. She was into art, painting, sculpting, and she even thought about becoming a professional photographer for a time. She was also an athlete, a top-notch basketball player. Nancy and her older sister Patricia shared a room and a bed. Nancy's father believed the man was the head of the household who worked and expected dinner on the table when he got home. The family, his wife, five daughters, and youngest, a son, finally, named Peter, mostly deferred to Joe's wishes. Nancy was stubborn, said Patricia. She was just like my dad. They were so similar, and the rest of us just had to live with them. After high school, Nancy rolled upstate to sunny Buffalo, but it was brutally cold there, and she didn't like her roommate. She got an apartment off campus right away, which she paid for herself because Joe and Janine couldn't afford to help. And it's, it's tempting to call Nancy tough, but most say that wasn't so. She was loving. She wasn't hard. She was a strong person, and she was independent. When Nancy was suffering, she did not hide it. After freshman year, she dropped out of school. Nancy had dreams, things to do, but she didn't know what they were exactly or where. She thought she might like to become a forester or a park ranger so she could walk, work outside or close to animals. She had two cats named Thunder and Lightning. A school friend of the Centimero sisters, who was studying at the University of Arizona in Tucson, was also back home in Huntington for the summer. It's warm there, she told Nancy. By fall, Nancy and her cats were there. By 1980, Vicki had left California and moved to Tucson. She found work as a home health aide. She had vet bills, vet bills to pay for her dog, Jack, and her truck, which wasn't running. Isn't that the best, paying on a vehicle that's not running? Been there. Yeah. In Tucson, Nancy lived with her sister's friend for a while and worked at a thrift store. When she was off, she liked to walk downtown and explore, which is how she met Vicky. Soon, they were walking together along the avenue and talking. They were both Scorpios, Sydney. Vicky arranged for Nancy to move into a group home she knew. A hey guys, friend. hey guys, hey, that's me. I couldn't get myself off mute. I'm the Scorpio. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> hey, 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 sorry. You're good, you're good. Um, Vicki arranged for Nancy to move into a group home she made. A friend came of Vicki's named Liz and asked if they wanted to leave Arizona for a few weeks and go to the Rainbow Gathering in July of 1980. They agreed and made plans to meet up at Vicki's farmhouse in Iowa and then hitchhike to West Virginia from there. Okay, pause just one second. I can't, there's a rainbow gathering in West Virginia because I want to go. Yeah, well, and I don't, like, I'm pretty sure I'm about to talk about it. I'm, I think it moves. I don't think that it's always there. Okay, I, I don't think so, but um, it might go back there because... I think that's where I heard of this was we were camping in Pocahontas County and we used to go there. Um, Chloe, I don't know if you remember this because you were really young. We used to go there for the 4th of July and we would camp on Williams River and we would go to Snowshoe for the fireworks. And I feel like that was where I heard about the rainbow people. 
I don't even know what it is. What? In Pocahontas County, like Williams River? No, like the Rainbow Gathering. I don't. I know. I oh. remember camping. I don't know what I was that say, is. I remember camping not on the Fourth of July in September on Williams River with you people, and your mom froze me to death. I probably still have <laughs> frostbite on my toes. Oh no! I'll never forget the first night we stayed. One of the times, one of the first night we stayed, she had like a sleeping bag or something and um Jackie uh, my cousin was with us and me and Jackie are sleeping in this tent that's downhill and there's a tree <laughs> root in my back and I'm laying there and I'm just miserable well mom complained the entire night so the next day she goes and she buys herself a double um a double stack air mattress and we're laying in this tent and she's next door going oh this is so comfortable I looked at Jackie and I was like, I'm going to pop a hole in that thing in the middle of the night. And she says one more time how comfortable she is. Yeah. So, but I'm about to tell a little bit about the Rainbow Gathering. So, in case you didn't know, because I was a little ignorant on it myself, the Rainbow Gatherings are temporary, loosely knit communities of people who congregate in remote forests around the world for one or more weeks at a time within the stated intention of living a shared ideology of peace, harmony, freedom, and respect. Okay, I definitely Googled that, so that's straight off Google. Vicki and Nancy and Liz were headed to the Rainbow Gathering that was to be held in Pocahontas, West Virginia. They never made it there alive. In the early afternoon or evening of June 25th, 1980, Vicki Duran and Nancy Santamaro were killed in an isolated clearing in southeastern West Virginia. They were 26 and 19. They had not been raped or had had sex on the day that they were murdered. Some Pocahontas, sorry, the dogs outside decided that they all needed to prove that they could bark. Okay, one second. I'm going to mute myself for a second. I've Am I muted? No. Okay. I've never heard of the rainbow gathering thing before. Like, this is my first time hearing about it. Yeah, me either. And, like, um, my uncle Eric was married to, like, a diehard hippie. Um, well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, is it just, like, a, like do they just go and get high a bunch and then, like, yeah. just chill? I mean, just from what the Google whatever, like, I can see Natalie, like, that being her thing. And I I mean, she would have been young. She was young, younger in the 80s, you know, but still, uh, i never heard of it. Yeah. Well, some Pocahontas Countyans were upset at the disruption of the Rainbow Gathering um, because it had caused a disruption in their life. And, um, but um, they, they filed an unsuccessful injunction to stop the event. Because of this and the remoteness of the clearing where the two girls were found, citizens and law enforcement mostly believed the killer was local. So because the like people in the county had filed an injunction to like not allow the rainbow gathering to happen, and because dang dirty hippies. Yeah. <laughs> and because of where the bodies were found, um, it was super remote a remote location. Like we live in West Virginia, so we understand what 
back roads are and like it's not daunting to us and all of us have been in Pocahontas County which is literally like nothing but back roads they're Um, daunting to me yeah so um (laughs) like the it was such a remote place that no one believed that an outsider would have found that and put the body there like it had to be someone who lived there that knew the roads and stuff yeah now no one was prosecuted for Vicky and Nancy's murders for 13 years eventually awesome. yeah uh, I'm about to commit murder if my kid slams the door behind me one more time <laughs> um anyway eventually nine local people were arrested and charged with crimes connected to the killing three more nine nine yeah it gets wild. it gets this case I have my head like whiplash going back and forth it's nuts <laughs> Um, three more were named suspects by law enforcement. Two confessed, four accused another in sworn statements or testimony, and the accused were all men who made their living by working the land, farming, hauling timber, cutting locust posts, or baling hay. In 1993, the state of West Virginia chose to pursue its trial against one man only why one well it when you you read the book it gives you a lot of details but i would have to have like three parts to give you all the details and it's really a book you should read but it when it comes down to it and all of these men um that were arrested and charged and interviewed like eventually they all pointed a finger at one person gotcha so i'm going to talk about it a little bit more but um a local farmer named jacob beard whom it deemed the trigger man okay so even though a lot of people were involved he was the one that they said pulled the trigger um beard was considered originally a suspect because he called vicky's parents twice and refused to say who he was he called them and was was saying like, no one down here is taking this case seriously. Um, someone should go to jail for what ha-. like like calling them and telling them that. But then when they asked who he was, he like refused to get his name. And so the um, Vicky's family like called the police and they're like, hey, this dude from West Virginia called us and was like saying all this. So they put a tracer on their phone and when he called again it tracked it to it was Jacob Beer. So it was just super like suspicious um, to call Us. him twice and refuse to say his name. It was yeah, just, that is really, really weird. Yeah, he was really suspicious about it. I wonder so. the fascination with that is like, that's just weird that he would do that. If like, say he did murder her, he's like, all right, now I'm going to call the parents yeah. multiple times. Weird. But the state well, case, maybe like a, is that like, like, oh, you know, like, what do they call it? I'm babbling. Like, um, almost like a killer's remorse type yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 So that was, that was kind of what narrowed the scope down to Jacob Beard. And the state's case rested on the word of two of the nine men. Both offered, were offered immunity in exchange for their testimony. Three men, prosecution witnesses testified, 
had picked up Vicky and Nancy hitchhiking. They drove them to the woods where the other men joined where other men joined in to party. The men drank and smoked marijuana, and the prosecution theory continued that they tried to rape Nancy and Vicky, but when the women struggled too much and threatened to go to the police, Beard was said to have shot them. One of the witnesses had less than a third grade education. And the other said that he had repressed his memory of the murder. For many just to, years. Just to like add, you know, whatever. I know, you know, the, the theories on West Virginia, but not all of us are uneducated. A lot of people are heavily educated from West yeah. Virginia. Yeah. Um, so, like, I hate that that's always, you know, well, he had a third grade education. Well, not everyone from here only has yeah. a third grade education. And, and honestly, it, it does make me angry, too, because I want to be like, so you're going to tell me that every other state in the, in the United States has fully educated people? There's no one in any other state that dropped right. out. Like, really? Like, right. you really want to go that way? Because and, and some of the people also that would have, like, you know, they dropped out of school in middle school or whatever, they have so much, like, life experience knowledge because they had to help support their families mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter what kind of doctorate you have. You're not going to outsmart them because they are just like they have worldly intelligence yeah if, if well that and makes like sense. the things that they could do i like all of the things that these people do i could not do on my best day so like right i can teach and i got my master's degree but you get me out there to haul timber and i'm gonna kill myself because i have right. no clue what i'm doing and Balin hay i've told people I'm a Christian. When I die, I'm going to heaven. But if I would go to hell, I'd be bailing hay for eternity. That would be <laughs> that would be my hell because I hate bailing hay. It's awful. Anyway, <laughs> um, okay. So the other the other man said that he repressed his memories of the murder for many years, but later recovered them. Okay, and that's not that's not like rare like that happens like people repress memories and stuff like it's also a hot mess to say the least but one thing that is clear my kid just slammed another door and I want to pitch my phone at him both witnesses <laughs> were physically assaulted by West Virginia State Police officers because a lot a lot of it was a mess because investigative techniques were I'm gonna beat you until you talk and we know that people under that type of pressure don't always say the truth a lot of times they say what they think that the police want to hear um that happens so I'm not gonna get flack on that I'm just telling right. you what I read in the book but as I read the book um the story of the investigation and trial literally made my head when it began, all the men were being questioned, had no freaking clue about anything. They were like, what, like, we know these two girls were killed, but like, we didn't have anything to do with it. But by the end, everyone was pointing fingers saying that they would testify in court that one of the other men did it. 
Eventually, all the fingers pointed at beard, whether the hands were pushed to point that way or not, you'll have to make that up on your own. But the court jury did believe the proceedings and testimonies and found Beard guilty of murder in the first degree on both accounts and was sentenced to life in prison. Now, West Virginia doesn't have, they don't have capital, we don't have the death penalty, correct? I'm pretty sure we don't because, yeah. I mean, that's two, that's two counts of first degree murder. I would assume that would be, I'm pretty sure we don't, which is really weird. I was going to say, that's really surprising that we don't. I know, to me. we're a very conservative state, but i don't know we don't we don't believe um and my husband's a cop so i can say this we don't believe in capital punishment and you can kill your kids and serve like 10 years but if oh my gosh if we catch you with the mary jane you're going to jail for life for life smoking for, hippies. oh yeah <laughs> yup don't be smoking that devil's lettuce don't go to prison which right. is true. Like, honestly, like, all the states around us have legalized marijuana. And West Virginia's, like, with the cross, yeah. you know, whatever. Anyway. All right. So now I'm not a pothead, by the way. I don't even smoke marijuana um, for anything. Like, I just, for some reason, get up in my feelings about it. And I'm super conservative. Tyler's yeah. always like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, well, you know. I just like he will even say to me sometimes like talking in police matters he'll be like do you know how many domestics you know or or mental hygiene or whatever I've went on involving marijuana and I'm like what he's like zero but I'm yeah, I was on- gonna say wait 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 it should be zero right yeah he's like but I've went on numerous for alcohol like yeah. people being drunk and that's perfectly legal so just yeah, I have I have a high I have a lot of opinions about that because that's that's true like what i say is people don't smoke weed and fight they smoke right. weed and they sit down and they watch some tv and eat some food like cheesy crunchy thing yeah like they don't no one's like getting rowdy when they're smoking they might take a nap that's about it but yeah baloney sandwich yeah so i i have a, a lot of opinions but it's not legal in west virginia yet i believe it is this isn't petty no Tune it's not in. petty this is for, petty. Tune so. in for a marijuana talk on Petty. <laughs> we do. We do need one because I feel like we could do a lot of educationally centered conversation. But I'm about to blow y'all's minds because I'm going to introduce our next character, James Clayton Vaughn. So let me give you the rundown on this guy. He was born in Mobile, Alabama, where he lived with his mother, two sisters, and a brother. His dad left when he was eight. Vaughn's mother starved and beat him and sent him to sleep outside under some pine trees often. For reasons unknown, Vaughn took the brunt of his mother's rage. By his teenage years, he was blind in one eye and his skull was cracked many times over. Oh my gosh. I know. Like, you can feel sorry for the kid, not for the adult. Um, And that sucks. That, that kid was, he was failed on many accounts. How he was not taken from that home, I don't know. How, I don't know. I don't know why everybody in my house has got to be in the same time. Anyway. <laughs> um, when he was 17, he stole a copy of Mein Kemp from the Mobile Public Library and took it 
and took to carrying it around his house into the pine trees when he was forced outside. Now, what's the book? Mein Kempf. It is Hitler's autobiography. Oh. Yeah. Of course. He read of Hitler's poverty and hunger and gobbled the words into his mind. Our own painful struggle for existence, Hitler wrote, destroys our feelings for the misery of those who remain behind. Vaughn started looking at his home, Birdville, with new eyes. He stopped playing with his black friends. One neighbor, a black woman who had always been kind to him and sometimes had given him food when he was put underneath the pine trees, now he pretended he didn't know her. Vaughn kept reading Hitler and joined the KKK and the American Nazi party. As soon as he was old enough to drive, Vaughn dropped out of school and took off. Where under false fake names, he had jobs in construction, at a real estate firm, and in a shoe store. So he was all over the place. At 20 years old, he started hurling insults to interracial couples on the street. Then, at an interracial, an interracial couple idling in cars, he would like yell stuff at them. He became transfixed by the philosophy of Charles Manson called Helter Shelter, have better idols. A vague collection of ideas involving anger at being rejected by the world of the rich and powerful, as well as promoting violence designed to create an apocalyptic war between blacks and whites. That was Helter Skelter, Charles Jansen. <clears throat> when he visited his sister in Mobile in 1973, he could not stop shaking and screaming when he saw that she had a black woman working in her house as a maid. His sister almost had to call the police to get him to leave. In Maryland, he worked as a maintenance man at a building complex. That year in Atlanta, Vaughn followed a black man and a white woman on a date and sprayed them with mace. Then, then he changed his name and he reinvented himself forever. Could you just tell Devil Ants that I really think that that scream was actually like perfect timing he sprayed an interracial couple with mace <laughs> that's exactly what i was thinking i was gonna say that's, yeah. and that's the noise they made when they got sprayed <laughs> yeah um, literally my my youngest got like i'm loud i know i'm loud and i have the ability to get very loud it's just like it's a gift god give it to me. <laughs> i passed that i'm so jealous of that <laughs> I pass that gift along to my youngest, and he uses it against me very frequently. Okay. Katrina got the loudness. I got the RBF. Yes. I'm, I'm so jealous of your RBF because I have resting approachable face, and it just makes people feel like they can talk to me, and I, I'm not mean. I'm not, but... so. Since I didn't get either one of those, but your mom was a big part in my upbringing, I'm wondering maybe if I didn't get her sarcasm. Yeah. yeah. Hey, mom. Hey, mom. I, I, I broke a plate. What do you mean you broke a plate? Oh my God, that used to kill me. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you what mean? Do you mean? What do I mean? <laughs> I mean, I broke your plate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But he reinvented himself, Vaughn did, and he took the name Joseph Paul Franklin. 
bombs came next. In July 1977, and within days of each other, Franklin used a sophisticated electrical detonator to blow a hole through the front home of Morris Amate, the face of pro-Israel politics in Washington, and then pushed 50 pounds of water gel explosives and fire sticks of dynamite into a cross space in a small Orthodox synagogue in Chattanooga. In the month following the bombings, Franklin got it in mind to drive to Wisconsin to kill a judge who had released two black men accused of raping a white woman. But on his way there in a shopping mall in Madison, he was driving through a parking lot when a car driven by a black man with a white woman passenger, both 23 years old, backed out in front of him. Franklin honked and honked his horn until the man opened his car door. Franklin shot the man as he approached, then pulled up alongside the car, got out, and shot the woman. Franklin roamed America's, American cities, large and small, and murdered black men, black men and their white girlfriends, or white women who might become girlfriends and Jews. He kept wait, wait, white women who might become girlfriends of black men. Yeah, but like they might, like they. Oh, yeah. might, like, how does like, he know? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I. He was like, you're white, you have the possibility of boom, yep. boom. You've, yeah. you've got big hoop earrings in, I must kill you, white yep. woman. Yep, you're dead. I, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it's wild. His thought process is, I don't know. He kept handguns around mostly, and, but mostly used a sniper rifle to kill, um, and he robbed banks to cover his constant need for fresh cars, guns, and bullets. So this dude was busy. He shot and didn't catch him. He's robbing banks and killing people. <laughs> I, I think I think the reason that he was able to not be captured for so long is because it was random. Like he he would just drive oh. through a city, and if he would see a black man and a, a white woman, he'd just kill him. Yeah, it was random. The on. cops the cops don't look at white women and say, "Hey, you may someday." Day day that is man. not yeah. your race yeah and also mm. this is the 70s at this time um so a lot of people probably didn't realize that this this was a serial killer room in america you know yeah. and he probably was moving so much too yeah so i think that it took them a while to like put the dots together because it was almost like a free killing like he would just be driving mm. see see a couple and just stop and shoot them like there was no premeditation there was none of that it was just almost like a drive-by shooting I mean it was a drive-by shooting but you know what I mean um mm -hmm. he shot and killed a Jewish worshiper exiting a temple in a, sub a suburb of St. Louis he shot a black man and his pregnant girlfriend as they walked <laughs> on the sidewalk he killed the man and paralyzed the woman from the waist down Franklin tried to kill Larry Flint, um, who was famous in that time because of his photograph depicting interracial sex, but he failed, leaving Flint partially paralyzed and using a wheelchair. Ugh. Yeah. In Chattanooga, Franklin waited in the grass outside a pizza hut where a white woman who dated a black man worked. He shot them both in the parking lot. 
The man died, but was able to warn the woman if she lived. Franklin grew more sociable. He shot and killed the manager of a Taco Bell because he was black and waited on white women in Doraville, Georgia. He shot and killed a 28-year-old black man for no reason at all in Falls Church, Virginia. He shot another interracial couple outside a grocery store in Oklahoma City, leaving the woman's 10-year-old son alive. Franklin had sex with a 15-year-old sex worker and then killed her when she said that she had had sex with a black man before. Yeah, he's hot karma kettle black there with a 15-year-old sex worker. He killed a 22-year-old it's a sex worker not no disrespect but they have sex for a living yeah like i don't think they discriminate no on caller i mean yeah like money's money's money i need money mm-hmm. right yeah but um she was also 15 so like legally that was like a double illegal yeah. thing but then he killed her so it was yeah. like illegal i don't know this dude is nuts Then he killed a 22-year-old black man who was standing on the corner of a fried chicken carryout restaurant in northern Indianapolis in early January 1980. And a 19-year-old black man who was buying extermination spray at a convenience store on January 14th. You know why? That black guy was going to use that extermination spray to wipe out the white race dude yeah yeah i this dude is his thought process it and it like it really bugs me that he had no like it wasn't like he had a super awful thing happen between him and black people because he had black friends as as a child there was right. an old black, older black lady who would literally give him food when he was forced to sleep outside under trees. Like he has had no reason to have this kind of hate. And in fact, the only race that treated him like trash, that made him blind in one eye and cracked his skull was his white mother. Right. So the, the hate that he found in his heart for these people, just, I don't know. He killed a white college student hiking her way home from college in an isolated state in Wisconsin because she said that she would consider having sex with a black man. Yeah, he shot but failed to kill civil rights leader Zeman Jordan outside a Marriott Inn in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And in Cincinnati, he camped out on a railroad trestle with his sniper rifle, waiting for an interracial couple to come out of a motel. When they didn't, he got bored and shot two black children at random. Cousins, cousins, 13 and 14 years old, on their way to split a dollar to buy candy. In June 1980, he killed a 22-year-old black man and his white girlfriend as they walked over the Washington State Bridge in downtown Johnson, Johnstown, Johnston, Johnston, PA. Later that year in Salt Lake City at Liberty Park, 
he spotted two black boys, 18 and 22, jogging with two white girls who were both 15. Franklin opened fire, killing the two boys. The girls came away with shrapnel in their skin, but alive. So you can see, like, he has been killing in um, St. Louis, in Madison, in Chattanooga, in Washington, um, Georgia, Virginia, Cincinnati, Indiana, Pennsylvania, like Salt Lake City. Like this dude has been all over the United States. Franklin's flesh was peppered with tattoos, but it was the one of the Grim Reaper on his right forearm done in delicate line work that got him caught. In October 1980, a Florida blood bank employee recognized it as he waited, sleeves rolled up, to sell his blood at a plasma center. It was Utah that tried him first for murdering the two young joggers. Franklin was given two life sentences. He was transferred to a federal penitentiary in Illinois, where he became the recipient of visits from law enforcement agents from multiple states. He spoke to most of them, except Missouri, because Missouri had the death penalty. He was convicted of eight murders in the court, but if you count all that he confessed to, it's at least 20. Oof. I know. During one of these confessions, he mentioned that he had killed two hitchhikers in West Virginia, where, he said, Beckley County, um, which, if you don't know, Beckley is not a county. He said he picked them up en route to Lexington, Kentucky, from robbing a North Carolina bank. He said that they were of average build, one with medium brown hair, one with light brown hair, looking kind of sleazy, hippie type, kind of scruffy looking. That's what he said. He picked the women up. He picked the women up, got gas, and said he drove a couple hours to a remote location to kill them because he believed the women were into communism and had been friends with or possibly dated black men in the past. I roll. Investigators prosecuting. This is crazy. Having that uh, kind of ideology. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't even know. Like you know how we, we we're always pushing for these these gun laws for you know um, mentally ill people, but I feel like not not that that's a problem. Not that I'm saying that's a problem, but like this was a mentally ill ill person who legit just went to a library and found all that he needed there yeah and it's like when I when I read that part of me was like I really don't feel like my Kemp should be in the library but I'm also like hardcore against banning books like yeah like I don't believe in banning books because there's a reason they're there but in the wrong hands like so many serial killers have like quoted or like been found or like have used um the catcher on the rye 
at J.D. Salinger as like uh, like quoted them or used it as like um, a reason why they did it or like they really did inspiration character yeah and it's like I read that and I'm like no dude like he's just an ass like he he's just selfish like I don't I don't get but in the wrong hands Mm -hmm. but there were so many other things like honestly I feel like if he hadn't read Mind Temp he probably still would have ended up with the KKK I mean he's in Mobile Alabama that's it's probably not hard to we've discussed a little bit um that whole nurture versus nature thing and Mm -hmm. of course he obviously had a head injury as well what maybe that does yeah to bring this on so exactly so the he was made he was made into who he was and it he's a it's a mess like he i mean just the amount of people that he killed like i don't know we literally talked for like 20 minutes about his victim yeah yeah and that's not even like the the podcast episode but i just had to let y'all know like what kind of crazy this dude is and but Mm -hmm. anyway um investigators who were prosecuting beard at the time did not think his confession was worth investigating because the case was in all the media and most of his like correct parts most of the things that he said correctly um could have been gleaned from news reporters and read all throughout america and the map there was a map in the book um the map that franklin had drawn was inaccurate which in franklin's defense i've lived in clay county my entire life and i gave misdirections to my wedding because of the way that i described the road so like if you would ask me to draw a map i guarantee the map would be incorrect because well if you ask me how to get somewhere i'd be like well now, darn it, honey, you just go past that trash can and then the three broken down cars. Go down yonder. Keep driving out there. Get clear across yeah, that down thing. yonder. And I'm just terrible at directions in general. to the left. <laughs> yeah. So in his I defense. I was totally not making fun of West Virginia. I love West Virginia. Oh, yeah. But We're no. That's, we take like that as entertainment. Entertainment. But We're West Virginians. We can make fun of ourselves we know <laughs> yeah like right, if you're like, not from west I virginia you mean, cannot make fun of us but west virginians we can make fun I of ourselves this, and the way that we talk and, i've seen this like, meme and it's been my favorite for years and it's like a picture it's like me as a west virginian uh talking to a fellow west virginia west virginian and the guy's like i just seen a crack kid do three backflips and then it says me as a west virginian outside of west Virginia my mother was a mountain and my father was John Denver like (laughs) yeah Yeah, like that's us yeah that's literally it like I love West Virginia I know that we have a lot of problems but once again please point me to a state that doesn't um I do I have a soft spot in my heart for West Virginia but anyway so in his defense my map would also be incorrect and I've lived here my whole life, but whatever. He had a tendency, now Franklin had a tendency to make claims that he would later disavow and he had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Everyone in my house 
is losing their ever loving mind. Well, Chloe, um, I don't know if she'll be back to commentate, but she's out. She got kicked out. Yeah, I don't know. So we we can finish up by ourselves. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. She'll probably pop back on here in a sec. Um, But anyway, so just like you said that he, I don't like, I feel like schizophrenia is genetic. It's a genetic thing. I mean, as much as I like love mental health and nursing, I think that my love for it comes from like, there's just so many I don't know that I could study enough to understand. Oh, yeah. Because there's always new information. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if that was, you know, because a lot of mental disorders, I feel like depression is definitely, oh, depression yeah. and anxiety are definitely, so I don't know why that would be any different. Yeah. So I don't know if he had a brain injury and it caused something with the schizophrenia. Um, like you said, like, I am not a medical doctor. And you have way more medical experience right. than I do. And you're saying, Health. I don't know. So take yeah. that. He had schizophrenia. How he got yeah. it is up in the air, but he did. Um, which would definitely right. make sense of, I mean, not that all schizophrenic people go on killing sprees because they don't, but um, untreated, it can be dangerous. Oh yeah. Especially so. like, and I mean, you know, we're talking about someone that's untreated, not only untreated, this is in the seventies or 80s yeah. correct so I mean, yeah mental health is barely coming out of its shell in 2022 right like it still has a bad stigma on it which it shouldn't mm-hmm. but it's in a whole different place than it was in the 70s like there was not right. a such thing as mental health in the 70s you know right. that really song, hide your crazy yeah but law enforcement deemed his confession less than platinum and the judge in Beard's case agreed. But in 1996, after learning that Beard was doing what Franklin thought to be his time, Franklin grew more insistent in claiming responsibility for Vicki and Nancy's death. With Franklin's cooperation, Beard was granted a new trial in 1999 and found not guilty in 2000. Beard is now a free man who is still adamant about his innocence. And the other men who were arrested and were testified all have different stories from the many different ones they told before and during the trial. Franklin was executed in Missouri on November 20th, 2013. Elizabeth Johnson, John, John Drew, hitchhiked with Vicki and Nancy across the United States. Um, Liz was the one who told um, Vicki and Nancy about the Rainbow Gathering, but in the book, it talks about how she, um, they were a couple states away, and Liz said that she just got this really bad feeling, and she um, decided not to go. She decided to go home. Her dad was getting married. But it was like she said she was going home because her dad was getting married. But she in the book, she said, I just got a really bad feeling like something came over me and like gave me a really bad feeling. And I was like, I need to go home. And it saved her life because she would have been the third rainbow girl. She would have been killed with Nancy and Vicky. So in the mythology of these events, Liz is known as the third rainbow girl. 
even though she didn't die. So in the end, it's it's up for the reader, it's up for the listener to decide what you believe. And even the the author in reading in reading her book, you know, she goes and she talks the beard, and you know, she's like, he he doesn't seem like he's guilty, but also she talks about how a lot of Franklin's confession a lot of what Franklin said also like nothing's perfect you know every story there's going to be holes there's going to be like what about this what about that because that's just the nature of of life um so in the end you have to decide what you think because Beard is a free man and you know if, if this was a if this was a scary movie I would dig it. This is real life and I don't dig it. Like I don't like thinking for a second, first of all, that there are several men and I understand that when put under pressure, you know, and maybe they just like, maybe all those men were drinking in the field and trying to have sex with these girls and they didn't do anything. But the fact that they all told different stories, nothing ever really lined up. It just leaves me with a funny feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and reading the book, it was a really good book, but it was like the whole time I'm reading it, I'm like, this is so like, like I would hate to be an investigator in this case because your head just felt like your head. Yeah, it was whiplash like the whole time. There's another person. There's these people, and then yeah, right. And then the end, you just have to decide what you think. Like, do you think that the the serial killer Franklin killed them? Or do you think that they were actually killed by a Pocahontas County local? And, like, you just have to make that decision. And there's so many questions that you could ask that could go Mm -hmm. either way. Right. And honestly, I don't know what I think. I don't. Because, like I said, there's so much evidence but um i feel like no matter what um what's his name beard no the other guy killer franklin so he would have been excuse me he would have been needed he needed to go to jail anyway yeah whether you know however my feelings land on the whole capital punishment thing yeah but i don't believe for a second that those other men are innocent of everything they yeah. may have not killed these women but they were involved in something and i don't know and it, and that's and that's part of it like if you're telling the truth then your story doesn't change like yeah the truth is the truth right. no matter I've how many times you punch me the truth is the truth but i've also never been in an interrogation room where a police officer is beating the shit out of so yeah, I mean, correct. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And like I said, this was this happened in the '80s, and there's been a lot of police reform, a lot of changes in the way that people do things, um, good and bad. But um, I do believe that. I don't know. I, I feel like something happened, and and like I said in the very beginning. If you do not know Southern West Virginian roads, good luck. 
Yeah. Stay off of them. It's the best yeah. bet. Yeah, stay off of them. Because for one, we're in the Appalachian a- Mountains, and you can be going one way, take a curve, and you're going the exact opposite direction. I you. know how they are, and I don't, I will not drive on them, because I, well, it's just like, mm, no. I had a significant other one time that was from North Carolina, moved to Huntington, and um, he was coming over here for something. We were already separated, but I remember him telling me, like, I tried to drive like you drive on those roads, and he'd actually stayed up here with me a lot. I tried to drive like you did on those roads, and it's just not possible. I just can't do it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he would never drove that level. Yeah, I would go like 80 on Peach Orchard, and someone who's never drove that, they could wreck going 30. That would be me. Yeah, because it, it, like... (laughs) You are I'm already to- not a good driver. It, I've never drove on those roads actually, but like I know I've I've ridden the car enough to know how dangerous they can be in the matter of five seconds. Yeah. So just him saying that he drove out to a remote location and then was able to get out of said remote location. And not get lost. And not get lost. Like yeah. Was okay. it during the day or was it at night? Um, it was during the day because the book starts with the, the man who found them. And it mm. talked about the road that was turned up to go, like, there was like four turnoffs. But one of the turnoffs, if you didn't know it was there, you would miss it. And the, the dude who said, literally, I live here and sometimes I miss this turn. You know, <laughs> like, we all know a road like that. If you do mm-hmm. not know where that road is, you're going to drive past it and be like, crap, the road mm-hmm. was back there yeah so it just would say if it's at night there is like absolutely no way to find your way out because everything no. looks the exact same oh yeah and it's not more. like there's like there's especially like where we are all from there's no street light no you know what i mean yeah there's it's no a one lane like road that they just paved 10 years ago so yeah. you got the moon and that's what you yeah. got is the, mm. the moon yeah. your headlights and also be my god yeah take the wheel jesus because i'm lost um shoot there was something else I was gonna say and I don't forgot what it was because that was funny um yeah I just I don't know I just back and forth because I I don't know why he would latch on to that and like say I did that and like get another man out of prison I don't I don't know I don't know it's crazy right well, that's what I was saying earlier. I've been watching SVU again, Law yeah. & Order. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite shows. It is so crazy <laughs> don't, watching don't. these people talking, like, to the police and, like, why they lie. The reasons that they, like, trying to save someone else. It's just so crazy, like, their thought process. And I the know. police are just trying to make sense of it and stuff. And I just, I find it so interesting, like, how these people will lie because they don't want the police to find out this one detail about them. Yep. Crazy. Oh, yeah. So, keep in mind even it? though I'm sure you made a really good point right there Chloe after you said law and order yeah. I was watching you talk and all I could hear was dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I, oh my dun, gosh dun, yesterday dun, I was watching dun, it and dun. every time the theme plays I like sing along to it why has never heard me do this before I'm like getting into it singing really loud and all of a sudden I look over and why it's just standing in the doorway looking at me I'm like oh <laughs> hello <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> but seriously, like the book, like it's an awful story, you know, and murder is never good. 
Um, I'm gonna need to lose my mind on these children when I'm done with this recording. But, but they're so um, cute. It does, it does a really good job of, hold on, let me go get him. It does a really good job of talking about West Virginia. <laughs> we understand. I feel like anyone listening knows what it's like to have kids or at least has been around people with kids. Right. Yeah. And guys, like, all you have to do, all you have to do is make us famous and we'll get a studio to do this interview. Yeah. And no kids exactly. allowed. Then you won't have so, to listen to it ever again. Yeah. Yeah. You won't hear dogs. Yeah. I'll mute myself instead of chomping my dog. <laughs> like the things I will do for you. We'll get microphones. That sounds nice. Mm, so uh, oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we probably should go ahead and end this episode because I feel like it's been a minute. I'm <laughs> Katrina. I'm Sydney. And this is Chloe. And this has been Murder of Set. Stay listening. Stay Murder of Set. But please do not be like Franklin and be obsessed with murdering. Bye. Later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>